I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who are women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started your first million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there was a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they walk Because I got a million Fresh out the mud, but I'm clean and so Because I got a million I got my first million I got my first million Hi everyone, this is Arlen. This is your first million. It is Monday, March 29th, 2021. Just had a really great conversation with Irma and Jake the co-founders and co-CEOs of a company called Bitwise, originally from Fresno and now building out all over the country, as you'll learn in this episode. Backstage Capital, my investment firm, we are uh, investors in Bitwise and um, just kind of, I'm a personal admirer of what they're doing in a major, major way. Let's just say, I mean, 250,000 square feet in Fresno, downtown Fresno, completely changed the downtown area. They have trained thousands of people who didn't see themselves as coders and engineers to do just that over the past seven and a half years. And uh, they just announced a $50 million investment um, that they received uh, a round of funding that they received and that they're going to put to good use in several cities across the country. Uh, a lot in California, underdog cities is what they call them. So in California and in Toledo, Ohio. And uh, I think this one's for the books. I mean, it's both founders. I love that. They get to play off of each other. It's a lot of information I even learned and I've known them for two or three, about two and a half years, I think. Um, just really excited for you all to to get to know them better. You might recognize Irma. She was in a, a solo episode uh, about a year and a half ago and was, was describing what she's doing. And, and even since then, so much has been built and has grown. Very impressive. They're going against the big dogs. They are uh, not afraid to say it and, and very specifically and clearly state their their intentions, their mission, their values, their vision. I love every minute of it, and I hope you do too. I'll see you on the other side. Woo, all right. So excited, so excited. Bitwise is in the house. Well, not really. You're in. You're in my computer in front of me. We're in the Zoom house. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Irma, I can't. I can't <laughs> now I say it, and it doesn't sound right to me. Irma <laughs> and Jake. I can't even believe I have both y'all here. I feel like I'm talking to some some superstars right now. 
hold Who on. Says, the, says, says Arlen with a stack full of books behind her that she right. wrote that like are beautiful. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean the, 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 and a the, giant race right. just completed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. you all know the raise is what meets the eye and all the work and responsibility behind the scenes is what, what what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think we both, we, we all know that. I think that's why we all, we hit it off right off the gate, right out of the gate. I remember that um, coming to visit you with Christy, my business partner at Backstage. Yeah. And we, the two of us, Christy and I just kind of looked over and we were like, it's, it's uh, rare that you, that you get people and they get you so quickly. Mm. So let's catch everybody else up. I know many of you would have already heard my interview with Irma, uh, what was it, like a year and a half ago? About a year and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, at, at my old place in person when people could get together and just travel and just do things willy-nilly. <laughs> um, and and Jake, we talked about Jake, and Jake is your co-founder. And are you still both co-CEOs? We are, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's catch everybody up. What is Bitwise? What do you tell people when, you're, when, they, when they ask that question today? Oh man, you or me, pal? Well, I think I think a little bit of like the why makes the most sense when we talk about Bitwise. Like, what is Bitwise makes the most sense when you think about why we do Bitwise? It's right. Yeah. So, I mean, we 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 get our stories in technology uh, as documented or primarily around Bitwise. But the truth is that that wasn't the the first interaction um, uh, in terms of lived experience with the technology industry for either Irma or I. So. My grandmother came here from Mexico, very poor, uh, raised my father in Los Angeles, uh, um, didn't have a lot. And my dad was actually working as a night watch security guard uh, in L.A., uh, came home from a particularly tough night of work and um, uh, flipped on a TV, saw a commercial for this thing called the Computer Learning Center. Uh, and uh, as far as he, he knew, that was a place you could go and you could learn to computer, which, which meant a better life than he had envisioned for himself. He did. That is the beginning of a story for how he became a computer programmer and an inflection point in his life and and uh, eventually in mine and that that same sort of story arc the accidental finding of opportunity uh, is um, uh, is really Irma's story uh, uh, just a you know a few years later yeah yeah and uh, I would say that you know my story is pretty well documented including here on this show Arlen you recall but the short version of it is that I grew up uh, um, in a farm labor family um, working very young with um, all of the folks who grew up in that place really had one of two lives. Either you were part of the farm labor that made these uh, farms produce, or you were part of the ownership group or the management group. Um, and uh, my life being part of that labor system didn't really expect a lot. Uh, I didn't expect to go to college, didn't expect to you know, end up in the technology industry, but I did through serendipity uh, do both. Uh, and uh, in the very first job that I was in, in the technology industry, recognized that I was, you know, out earning everybody at home. And we're talking about most entry level possible job in a tech company, already out earning everybody that I knew, realized very early on that the technology industry was this powerful beast of a thing that if you could like put a harness on it and ride it could change your life. And then how did you all, how did that, those two things converge? What was that very first meeting? 
Well, I think you know, right, Arlen, that the, the people use the, look, there is this serendipitous circumstance whereby Arlen made it. So like uh, everything is good, right? Yeah, and right. really it, it's, it's proof of the problem, not proof of the solution. Uh, and so what Irma and I had sort of in our belly uh, uh, as young professionals was how do we, how do we take what was serendipity for us and make it um, a, a systematically likely outcome? Uh, so that prosperity is available to the many, not the few. And so Irma was, uh, uh, and I both, after bouncing around the country for college, early career, came back to Fresno. Uh, still different stories, still didn't know one another. Uh, and Irma is working as an engineer and entrepreneur. I'm working as an intellectual property attorney. And the reality is that like from, a, you know, <laughs> across the figurative room, I said like, whatever that person is doing, like, I just want to find a way to be a part of. Um, like there is, there's just magic. She sees the world differently. Um, and we didn't know each other. So I asked for an intro for, uh, via a mutual friend that Irma had started uh, a couple of things with. And, uh, uh, and, and we got together and, and very quickly it became uh, obvious to us both that we wanted to use the technology industry to build in Fresno the sort of city that nobody else was thinking of uh, with stakeholders that nobody else wanted to invite to the party. Um, uh, and uh, that kindredness that, that eventually and, and pretty quickly blossomed into Bitwise. And what, what was it that you were seeing in Irma? I mean, you all were working on, like, what what made you know that there was that magic happening? Besides, I mean, as long as I've known Irma, the the, the incredible hair. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even have that to go on back then. I mean, she had fine hair, but it wasn't yeah. like stands out in a room hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't you wish this podcast were visual right now for you listening in your car? <laughs> I. I'm a little bit wistful for that too, because it is a good hair day, you know, and yeah. you gotta show those off when you got them. So <laughs> definitely make sure to put some pictures up because it's, it's all that. So what was it though? I mean, I, I want to know the same thing from Irma. Like this, this guy comes up to you and he's, he's in fact had people make sure to find you and track you down. What are you two thinking about each other at the beginning of this? Oh man, I was thinking... I In those first, very first days, I was like, I don't, I can't imagine a more like far apart human being from, you know, my existence here, here's this, you know, six foot tall, affluent white guy wearing a suit, who's an intellectual property attorney. I barely even understand those words, you know, and, uh, and he wants to, you know, know what I'm up to. And I, in fact, that first meeting, Jake sets us up at a, like this barroom dinner, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, it's not my style, you know, and, yeah. and I think he orders like a wine and I'm sure like it's something important. And I'm like, I'll have a Red Bull, you know, like yeah. it, it was like yeah. one of those situations. Light it up. Exactly. And I'm wearing a, a hoodie and like, <laughs> you know, and, and he's in a suit and I was like, what are we doing here? You know, in this like mahogany, <laughs> like leather steakhouse, whatever it was. Like, <laughs> I, it was already like, room, yeah, this yeah. is too classy for me. I'm not, that's, uh, it's where we fall in love. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to tell that part. <laughs> it was a good conversation. I mean, that, that was the thing. Like I, I did take the introduction at the behest of a friend who I trust. Um, and, uh, so, you know, the environment notwithstanding, it was just like, going to hear this guy out. I want to know what he's about. And uh, I had heard his name a couple of times. He had been working on some things in town that like caught my attention as well, that were like really um, gaining some like grassroots tra traction. And that's actually something that I notice 
all the time, regardless of whether I'm going to use it for a business purpose or, or otherwise. But when people can get the attention of the community uh, and they can communicate to the community something that feels really important, that that grabs my attention. And I sort of file that away later for like, you know, whatever nefarious purpose I might come up with. But well, take people who listen to this podcast, a lot of them have said that they take notes while they're listening. And that's a note. Keep that gem. A, a one way of, of vetting somebody is not just what's on the resume, not just what you may have heard, but what you're seeing their influence uh, with capital or not, what that is. on. Uh, and I imagine, Jake, that had something to do with your answer. I mean, it, not to speak for you, but kind of elaborate on what you were seeing in, in Irma. What did you see that that um, collaboration could be? Yeah, I mean, the, the I think the first piece is that that it was just self-evident that she was super high performance, super talented. And the I mean, it's like a little bit like the analogy, if you're a runner, like if you're a fast runner, you want to run with fast runners. Um, and and so that it, it's like it's exciting. I wanted I want to do things with this human being. But then I think the next turn that's m more important still is her heart was manifest in her work. She wasn't doing that to just try and build the next Google in Fresno or to try and flip a startup. Um, everything that she did um, led with, how do I get more people into the game, um, more people, uh, the skills they need to work at this next startup I'm working on, or how do I pick the underdog event coordinator to run the next big sort of expo for my nonprofit uh, and on and on. And then I think that the, as that, kept turning, uh, um, uh, a couple of things became really, really important. Um, uh, one story that we both tell, uh, tell is we were getting ready for the first, you know, Bitwise Christmas party or holiday party, um, and it was going to be at my house. Um, uh, and uh, um, Irma, uh, she's not wearing the shirt today, but she will sometimes. Irma is gay, um, uh, and we're going into a. Very yeah, no, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I am not like I don't even have to have a shirt. Everybody knows um, uh, the the the. And, and so we had you know, our investor group, all good people, but it was not clear that it was going to be cool if Irma showed up with her girlfriend. Um, uh, and so we, uh, Irma, you know, asked like, hey, I, maybe this isn't okay. Like maybe we, maybe I just come solo. Um, and it was absolutely not like it, it, it's either all of us or none of us. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the, there's so many like analogous experiences where it was like, hey, Irma, like I am the only white guy in this room. Um, uh, am I with you or am I just over here? So, no, it is, you know, it's, it's all of us or none of us. And, and this reality that we realized it, it, like we just had each other's back and, um, uh, and, and that has been, I think, singularly the most important part about our relationship, because, um, this is really, really hard. Um, uh, and if that's not at the center um, man, like we're all human. There's going to be a point at which I, I'm going to, I'm going to bite her hand. She's going to bite mine unless that's at its core. Absolutely. And I just want to take a little bit of a detour because I want to, um, you, you can certainly choose not to answer this, Jake, because it is none of my business. Um, but you, you said your father came from Mexico and you referred to yourself as a white guy. What is, what exactly, just to clarify for anybody who may be confused there, including myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm that segment of America where I'm, I'm Mexican, I'm white, I'm affluent, my dad was super poor, like, um, it, it is, I, I am, I am that my mom used to call it Heinz 57. Uh, um, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but like, degree, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, so my one side of my family, East Los Angeles, very poor. Uh, my father was the literal only one to like make it out of the zip code ever. 
Um, uh, and um, uh, there was a lot of violence in the family, a lot of incarceration. My dad was the guy whose dream was to like separate us from that story, mm -hmm. like intentionally. Um, and, and, you know, part of this, I'm like, what? And part of this, like, I, you get it. Like he refused to teach us Spanish so that we couldn't speak to our cousins. Um, uh, the, and so that is a part of my story. Another part of my story is, you know, European descent mom is, uh, grows up in not, not rich by any standard, but not the same sort of poverty as, as, as my folks, as, as my dad rather. Um, and there, you know, you look at Frida Kapor, who we love, uh, talks about distance traveled my parents, like, it's just this monumental leap. Um, and, and so I got to, I, you know, I got to grow up a, a, a rich white kid. Um, that just the reality of the way I got to grow up. My, there's this interesting story. My, my grandfather came from Puerto Rico, uh, uh, filled out the papers wrong when he joined the Marine Corps so that he'd get dropped off in New York. Um, uh, he, he was Juan Sobral Lopez. Uh, he filled out the papers, Juan Lopez Sobral. Mm. Um, I mean, imagine like it, it's self-evident then if I am, if my last name is Lopez and as Sobral, it sort of change the the category that people will you know dump me in automatically um but yeah i'm i'm a mutt uh um, I think it's, uh, and it's super interesting to me because it's probably an entirely different conversation and different episode of uh i think about halsey when she came out as bisexual and biracial <laughs> everybody's like Halsey is half black you know this is a couple of years ago and just live and i've had so many conversations with people who um just identify in different ways and and you know the, the makeup is different um but i i know that you know in the rooms you are the white guy you know and and that has i remember asking you the first time you met how do you um do you all use that to not an advantage but like a trojan horse type of situation and, and do you remember kind of what your take on that was I remember you asking the question. Irma, do you remember what I said? I don't remember exactly what you said, but I know that our stance on it always has been that we will use whatever tool is available to us, mm -hmm. right? And so, if that's going to be in our favor in one moment, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make that work. Yeah. And if it, so you're gonna you know, send, works, you're gonna send Jake to the to the uh, country club, send Irma to the Abbey in West Hollywood, and y'all just gonna make that money, like just <laughs> we're just gonna yes, I mean yes. You know, and shamelessly too. I hear that. I honestly, hear that. I hear that it's because like, yeah, go ahead. What won't you do to save the world? Uh, um, uh, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, uh, the the reality is like, look, if 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 people are going to use bias to to hold communities down, uh, we are happy to let them use their bias to lift communities up. That's right. That's right. And I just love how diverse your uh, your cap table is. Um, you all, you all are on a different level. I have to say. I mean you're building something big is just doesn't do it justice i feel mm. like you all are um it's kind of like the world or bust you know when i look <laughs> over <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what what you're building and why you are willing to just kind of go for it what is this major vision that you two have I think that's right. I mean, what you're saying is the world or bust. It feels like they're, I think one of the things that is different with our business, and maybe maybe this is actually the same with other people. I have no idea, but but the solutions look obvious to us. Uh, not easy. I'm not going to use that word, but the solutions look obvious to us. And so if we want to change who 
gets opportunity. And, and for us, the tool that we wield is the technology industry. Who gets opportunity in the technology industry such that they can change their own lives? Like there's a lot there to fix uh, in, in not just our hometown of Fresno, not just in the five cities that we've announced we're expanding to thus far, but across the United States and then beyond that, potentially the world. And so we very much look at the position that we're in as fortunate in, in it's very much the beginning. Um, and maybe the best part about this moment is that the stuff that we're doing when we began seven, almost eight years ago, operating in relative obscurity is now front and center. I mean, how do we build a more just and equitable world? How do we recover from this pandemic? How do we rebuild the American workforce? Those are things we've been working on for almost a decade. We have some answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. And what are those five cities? What are the are all the cities that you're in and, and will be in? Currently, yeah, yeah headquartered in Fresno, California, uh, Bakersfield, Merced, and West Oakland, California, and then very recently announced our expansion to Toledo, Ohio. That's right. That's right. And you're calling these the the underdog cities. I mean, it's not like you know, it's, it's these are the underdog cities and. Mm -hmm that vision you have. Um, and in case someone didn't listen to the first episode that we did, just kind of briefly, what is it that you all, you know, what are the core components of, of a Bitwise location? Yeah, same uh, in every city. Uh, we versus workforce, we teach people the skills they need to access opportunity in tech. We teach almost exclusively folks coming from a story of exclusion or systemic poverty, which means that uh, the seldom is JavaScript the thing that's actually holding them back. It's transportation, childcare, mental and physical health, emotional well-being, food, uh, compensation during the period of learning. Um, uh, and, and so uh, combining those two things, now we level up these really, really brilliant folks into the technology industry. Um, uh, we then hire a great many of them into our tech consulting shop. About half of them wind up getting hired with us. Um, and we build software for government and private private sector around the country and world. Um, uh, we're doing, we're building uh, custom, uh, usually web-based uh, platforms uh, of all different sorts um, and get to do some really exciting work, solving some really important problems. And then folks say, well, how are you doing that so fast? Like, how do you, how do you find this talent? We'll say, well, we're, we're investing in people you won't, um, uh, but you can have them too. Uh, here's how. Um, uh, and then the last piece of that is we root that work in the places that Irma just listed by buying that, that shuttered, that blighted building that's been empty in the center of downtown for years. I mean, it's important to pull yourself out of LA and San Francisco and New York and imagine a city with more vacant buildings than full ones um, and say, well, what if we rooted exactly what we're doing uh, for exactly the people that we're working for at the center of the city they call home? So you put that workforce program in there, you improve the building, you lease it to ourselves and others, and all of a sudden, the reason that people weren't there, the community of poverty, uh, is the reason that they are there, uh, is access to the talent that's being drawn from that community. Um, and, and it becomes this really powerful story arc that then can uh, sort of ripple out in those cities um, and, and cause micro lift, like you've got somebody who's, who's buying a house and a car, uh, usually for mom too, uh, and you've got macro lift in that you've got you know, actual GDP gains in that city. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of what, um, a lot of bit of what uh, uh, Nashley Cephas, who has also been on this uh, show, is doing in Jackson, Mississippi, where I was born. And it's just, you say it's, uh, it's absolutely not easy, but it's obvious. It is, uh, we can't keep pulling from the same pool of people and we can't keep expecting different results as we do that. Mm. Talk about um, some of those results that you saw, because I've been on the campus 
at uh, Fresno and I haven't had a chance to go anywhere else because of COVID, but it is just like you all are, you're exactly what you just described is actually happening. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a, you know, you're doing this. So what are some of those results you've seen in Fresno as an example? Well, yeah, I think, you know, in addition to the sort of the built environment, which makes a huge difference, right? When you have, when you go from blighted buildings to 250,000 square feet of improved technology commercial space that's vibrant and lively and bustling and has that sort of, you know, the heart of the city is clearly moving there. Um, that makes a big difference to the way that people feel about where they're from. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we have seen is that built environment really, really matters. That flag in the ground, this is where you come if you want to be good at or participate in the technology industry. Um, other things that we've seen are uh, improvement in jobs and earnings, right? Things like folks who come to us on average are coming from retail, warehouse, and field work, uh, earning cumulatively less than $20,000 a year, um, and then exiting our programs with three or four times that in their pocket from a yearly earnings standpoint. So $60,000, $80,000 um, coming out of our programs. Like Jake said, that buys houses and cars, but not just for that person. It changes the, the situation for their families as well. Um, 5,000 folks have come through our programs in the last seven and a half years. Um, of the ones who exit our career programs, 80% are earning technical employment. Um, that's huge. Uh, and then when you take the halo effect of those technology jobs in a city, 4.3 additional jobs are created, local goods jobs, every time you create a technology job in a city. That's huge, right? That's again, taxes uh, that are being paid and roads that are being improved and public schools that are uh, um, improving as well. But for us, I think it's the accountability metric, right? It's what really what really demonstrates that what we're doing is working is that that local technology workforce is representative of its county. And that for us is greater than 50% female, greater than 50% uh, minority, um, uh, and 20% first generation. Um, those are the demographics of Fresno County. That's what the workforce looks like now too. And 40% LGBTQ+. Uh, uh, I mean, everybody's so eager to stand up and talk about a pipeline problem. <laughs> you want to Let's come talk about a pipeline problem. Mm -hmm. The technology industry can and should look like America. Uh, uh, the, the problem is that we as an industry have told them, please don't look like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and Bitwise is, I think, a, a study in contrast. Well, you all just raised or announced a raise of $550 million to to continue this work. And I imagine there's a lot more in the future because this doing something this huge takes a lot of money, but it wasn't like, like you said, there's no overnight success for the first five years. What sort of pushback did you all get? Because this today looks like you all are geniuses, but were you called crazy before? Oh man, <laughs> I'm going to list the sort of pushback we didn't get. We were never attacked from the air. Um, <laughs> oh, like we, I think I forget which one of the open letters, maybe it was a draft of this most recent open letter, the, the kind of telling, sharing the sentiment of uh, um, what we, the, the, you start out and people sort of look at you and like, you just know, like, it's never going to work. 
uh, it, this is not the way it works. Um, it's not the way we do things here. Um, uh, and the we we talk a lot about we don't have to convince anybody in front of us, older, richer, whatever. Um, uh, we just have to convince everybody behind us, uh, uh, younger, less resource, um, and behind is not, not meant to be condescending, but the, 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 um, beside you, beside you. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that that wave would be enough. But the reality is that, that, that meant for until it got to be big, until you could see it and walk in it. Um, uh, you, you, you literally were sitting at the dinner table with, you know, extended family that said, well, I, that, that's not a real job. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's nonprofit. That's, um, uh, uh, you, you had a good job before you were an attorney mm -hmm. what, um, and, and, and let alone dealing in industry that will tell you like, oh, well, you can't, you can't build software with that, uh, uh, with, with that team. You can't build software in that zip code. Um, uh, every category of what we were doing was met with not like, oh, that sounds hard. That sounds like a difficult job. It was, it sounds like that's not a job. It sounds like that is not possible. Um, uh, and, and that five years of that friction, boy, like that goes back to like, you got to have each other's back because no one else does um, uh, in such a powerful way. Not, not super helpful that the, the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley is like two and a half hours, you know, over the hill. And so lots of folks just want you to be like over there instead. Why don't you just take this idea over there? It doesn't make any sense. And their, their loss has been your complete gain. Mm. Um, there's two things I want to talk about. One is, is um, in in your I guess manifesto or you know your announcement, you all mentioned um, not wanting. You used to say let's um, let's staff Facebook, let's let's diversify Facebook, and to or whomever Microsoft, whomever. Today you say let's let's just bypass them altogether. Um, and become a titan. Talk a little bit about that that way of thinking, because it reminds me of so many conversations I've had about backstage, my fund, mm -hmm. just kind of why don't you why don't you go over there and do this thing? Why don't you fold into a larger fund? It's so difficult. Why, you know, I I feel a kinship there. Talk about why it's so important for you all to be the next tech titan rather than feeding into one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at each other angry. like, I'm angry already. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even oh. saying anything yet. I'm already pissed. Go for it. That's why we wanted to get that heat. Go for it. I mean, look, I, yeah, we did definitely started with the attitude of, of the, if we can just prove it for long enough, this talent will be welcome anywhere. Um, and nearly a decade into it, we're seeing that that's just absolutely provably not true. Um, and so rather than wait for these technology giants to change, um, it, it, we recognize that they have no commercial reason to do that. Um, there is no incentive for, for them to diversify who they are hiring. And uh, instead, they can very simply put out into the world a PR message that proclaims, you know, that they're going to spend a lot more money on diversity, equity, and inclusion, or they are going to change, you know, their uh, requirements, and they're going to put out a new learning program, and everybody would benefit if everyone took this learning program, and, and then come to find out they don't hire from their own learning programs, and so it just doesn't. The proof is not there. Um, the words are there. The marketing is there. The PR is there, but the proof is not there. And so 
over the top tired of looking at that again and again and being sort of strung along, it feels like strung along, waiting to see something change when it just doesn't. And so, um, so long as they continue to do, um, sort of put out these empty gestures and really not live it out, then I just don't see how we can continue to spend our time trying to convince them uh, to work with us or anyone uh, so to believe that this talent exists and, and can go toe to toe with anybody in the world. You know, and I think when we began, we thought it was us. We thought like, if we just got a little bit fancier, a little bit bigger, we mm -hmm. wanted this intermediate client that got us closer. Um, and, and the, you know, there's a lot of things to fix, fix it bit wise. Let's be sure. Like we're not, we're, we're not, uh, fully built and perfect, but as we've gotten closer to it, like the, the, the dynamic will always point to like uh, over a billion dollars spent, spent on DEI in tech, uh, uh, in big tech alone, uh, less than 1% change in the diversity of the technology industry. And it brings us to like, observably, like, I don't know you, we don't hang out, but, uh, observably you are either very, very bad at this or you are lying that you don't actually want to diversify. Um, you get specific, like Apple announces it's a hundred million dollar pledge on racial justice. Like, do I want to see Apple spend a hundred million dollars on racial justice? You better believe I do, but let's like, let's not, let's not, let's not pretend like we're brand new, right? Like Bitwise is going to spend a hundred million dollars on racial justice in that same time period. Your Apple, like we're doing all right. Like nobody needs to feel bad for Bitwise and the amount of money it has, but your Apple, you have more money than the U S treasury. Uh, it is, and, and, and what happens is that lands on ears in these commercials uh, and, and they get this, this stamp of a hero um, when in reality, they just bought your continued participation in their inequitable economy. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's a, there's a group that I, I honestly cannot remember who it is, but I would, if I remembered, I would shout them out. They said that they're going to invest, and maybe it was, no, I'm not going to guess, but they said they're going to invest. 10 million dollars oh, sorry 1 billion dollars into 10 million black women mm -hmm. and everyone got really excited mm. and i said isn't that a hundred dollars per woman <laughs> i mean i want them to do that yes. they should continue their process and, and obviously they're going to do this into programs that will affect that many people but it is you know i uh last may I cried on this very podcast and I don't think I've done that since because, you know, I just, I'm out of tears and it's, I'm in the Irma anger phase <laughs> where I cried and I said, I'm for other funds, the billion dollar fund, multi-billion dollar funds. And I'm supposed to just applaud your 2 million here, your 10 million there for mm -hmm. black people. <laughs> as if you know as if we're not over here like bleeding for this mm -hmm. every day and ourselves will become a billion dollar entity and you know so again i i guess i can I, i'm overstating the fact that i'm we're on the same same wavelength but it's it's refreshing to not only be able to say it but to see people able to act on it and I would, I would guess you have a, a, a great relation. I'm not going to, it's not just backstage, but you have a great relationship with your, with your backers, right? Because they, they obviously get this and they want to, to put you in that position. What do you, what do you say about some of the funds and the individuals who are backing you? We, we had this on our last um, board call, which was last week. Uh, um, uh, we, we, uh, 
Irma and I were sitting there with Beth Millie, president of Bitwise, uh, uh, just texting like, I don't know how we did this. Like we we don't deserve this group of people, um, and you know our our board uh, uh, Joey Proietti from Novo, uh, Mitch Capor from uh, Capor Capital, Olin Douglas from Motley Fool Ventures, Paula Pretlow uh, from uh, uh, Kresge and Weinberg and elsewhere. I mean, it's just like this next level human being, and then you trickle that out to the funds they represent. So Rich Dennis at New Voices, uh, Lumina Foundation, Acumen, Capor, uh, um, uh, on and on and on. Um, we just have like we have and i'll come back to something that will tear down you know any any you know, delusion illusions of grandeur here but like we have the best investors on the planet mm -hmm. um uh they and and i mean that in both ways human beings and then look at their results like everybody is so excited to say how mitch and frida whether it's concessionary it is not uh demonstrably it is not um uh the it doesn't get said enough. They put out their report on their, their, their earnings and they did what nobody else on the planet would do. They took Twilio and Uber out. They said, this mm -hmm. is going to distort the picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were seed investors yeah. in both. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, 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 that is uh, one. Now let, let me come back to like the piece about like, well, let's not make much of Jake and Irma here. Like we literally learned what series a meant in a pitch meeting with our 75 page deck. Like somebody was like, are you raising your series A? We looked at each other like, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think um, this feels like a series A, sure. Uh, <laughs> but to go home and look up series A. Like we didn't know anything about fundraising. We, by some divine fortune, wound up with the absolute best group around the table um, uh, and and keep 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 able to find new ones, which, which you know, we'll, we'll pull at that thread as long as it'll let us. I will, I will push back a little bit and say that you, you said you don't deserve this. Of course you do. And of course it doesn't matter that you didn't know the jargon when so much of the proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, everybody else's bad for five years not to understand what the heck was going on over there at Bitwise. I love the video that shows the very first office you all had uh, mm -hmm. and, and then to see what you all are building and what this will become on your own terms. I hope it stays that way. I hope it stays on your own terms. As we get ready to, to close out, a couple questions I have. One is, how do you how do you go from managing a few people who, you know, they believe in you to having you have hundreds and or thousands of people walking your halls uh, affected by you, etc. How does how does that feel? Do you do you go to other people to help? Do you have it all figured out? What what is the what is the answer there? I think the answer that feels super clear to me, at least, is that the what your company looks like and and meaning its structure and the way that it functions needs to change as you grow. Um, and I think that that's a mistake that some folks begin with the that maybe the structure is going to carry them until they're you know 10, 15, 20 year old company. But that has never been our way. And so we've evolved our structure over time so that it can support exactly the weight that it has or maybe the next version of that. Um, and being nimble in that way has really, um, I think, been very helpful to us. It's also very importantly got us the highest and best out of a human being at that moment in time uh, by not putting them into a structure that doesn't make sense in that moment. So I think as our influence grows, as our headcount grows, as our community grows, being very open to just saying like, that doesn't work anymore. 
So we're going to do a new thing that we think will work better. And again, back to that, having each other's backs, like you don't make that decision unilaterally. It comes time to make those decisions together. And we sit down and look at it really closely, you know, whether one of us has become frustrated or it just becomes obvious in, a, in different ways. Um, and, and we've been able to really, I think, ride the wave by just changing what we're doing according to the moment. Hmm. It's hard. It's really hard. Like, I mean, Irma has shifted into a role where she's leading hiring for us. Um, if you are not intentional with who makes up that 300 person team and that 400 person team, uh, real quick, start looking like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there are many investors, either new investors or very seasoned investors um, who listen to this podcast uh, as we grow. And we've, we've spent the last 40 minutes or so talking about who you who you're not going to mess with right who you're not going to work with what if someone's listening and they they do want to work with you who are you looking for uh both on the um uh, talent side and on the the stakeholder uh partner side so first i'm gonna i'm gonna if everybody i'll read slowly i'm gonna read out our wiring instructions um <laughs> because look if you're listening we you're in um uh, uh, we, we want to, we want to work at this point, like fortunately Bitwise is in a really good capital position, which is exciting. Uh, we want to work. So when we think about now we get to, for the first time, sort of be, it feels like really choosy, um, uh, uh in that, like, we want to work with people who are deeply aligned to the work, um, uh, who say like, I want to be involved and like, here, let me let me open up my network to you so that like the work I built now you get access to that you don't have to do that you don't have to you don't have to run those miles give an example ProMedica uh, is strategic investor in Toledo Ohio they're a health system that says that we are going to invest deeply in the hardest ways in the health of our community um, uh, and uh, so this when we talk about social supports of our students like transportation child care mental physical health, this is their game like this is just what they do um, and they say well why don't why don't you why don't we just open up our box for you uh, uh and 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 like so that is a huge advantage that's a that's decades of experience um uh that can be big it can be small like the 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 person working at morgan stanley or law firm or wherever else and says like i've got a couple of bucks and i also know some people over here that should be working with you mm -hmm. uh, i know some communities over here that maybe you're not good at talking to yet um uh, uh those are that's what's exciting to us at this stage yeah, and maybe Irma, can you paint, um, maybe think of three types of, in addition to that, types of partners that you're, that you continuously look for. I want to shape it for the person listening who does have the family office or who does work at the nonprofit who does grants or who does, uh, you know, work at the major bank to say, what is, what is the next step? Because you've gotten so far. Are, a lot of people, a lot of investors say, well, I just, I can't be helpful to somebody at this stage, but I think that they can. So that's what I wanted to highlight here. Definitely family offices that are in what we would call underdog cities, right? Mm -hmm. Non-primary mm -hmm. markets in the United States. We want to talk right. to all of them. Um, we want to talk to philanthropic groups who are interested in very specific mar marginalized people groups. That may be the uh, uh, indigenous people groups. That may be folks who are formerly incarcerated. That might be LGBTQ. So if you have uh, an interest and a thesis in investing in these people, we definitely want to talk to you. Um, and then on sort of the tech consulting side, if you know anybody connected at some of these larger companies, especially not technical companies, 
um, uh, who do a lot of technology outsourcing in excess of a million dollars a year, we want to talk to those people as well. We think that we can take on that work uh, and deliver the next generation of technology talent at the same time. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I have uh, I had another question about who, how do you settle fights? <laughs> but I didn't know where it was going to go. So <laughs> there. how do you all settle fights when you have them? Because it, it's a lot of there's a lot of love in this room, I can see. But you have to after what do you say, seven and a half years. Mm. Mm. We just got I mean, <laughs> we just got through one. Um, uh, the, we, the, the fiction about like, I think being a co-founder is that you just get along all the time. It's like the fiction about marriage is that let's just see, we're just perfect. And it's, yeah. it just works. Um, uh, I think the reality is that, uh, very similar to what I said earlier, like, um, it, it, at its core is my, uh, having Irma's back, is it temporary and situational or is it a, it is just an eternal truth. Uh, um, and, um, and, and then being very, very direct and very, very open and honest. So I said, we just finished one. Uh, uh, don't leave things unsaid. Uh, um, uh, and, um, uh, and it was like, there was we didn't come to agreement, uh, um, but it was, um, hey, are you gonna, are you gonna resent me if, if we make uh, um, uh, your decision? And am I gonna resent you? Uh, and somebody's able to say, no, you know what? Uh, we, uh, I, I can put this one down. Uh, that happens a hundred times a year. Um, uh, and it doesn't always end in exactly that way, but if you have that, uh, that, that sort of in uh, immovable truth at its center, that, that, like, I'm just going to have this person's back and we're going to, there isn't a way to do this apart. We're going to do it together. Um, uh, then you got to figure it out. And, and fortunately we we, I have in Irma, somebody who, uh, is, uh, as committed to that and, and, and is really good at that. Choosing your battles. It sounds like, do you all have, uh, uh co-founder council, like coaches, coaches? That's Beth Milley, our president. <laughs> the referee. <laughs> the mediator. Yeah. Yes, love it. Irma, you were going to say something, I think. You know, just two things uh, to add to what Jake's saying, because we often don't agree and we have such different life stories that there are sometimes really obvious reasons about why we don't agree. Uh, and you might want to use that against each other from time to time, right? Uh, and so the, my first thing is don't ever let it get ugly. You can say what you want. You can say what you mean but you don't have to be ugly about it. Uh, and then the second thing is that it is actually a choice. Um, every time you're in the middle of one of these big blowout fights, it's a choice about whether you're gonna be on your own side um, or if you're gonna be on the company side. Um, and remembering that that is a choice gives you a lot of power in the moment, even when you feel like you don't have any. I love it, I love it. I'll, Irma, I'd love for you to have the last word. How do people get in touch with Bitwise? Uh, and with you all in general, if they want to, if they want to follow up. Absolutely. We're on all the major social channels, Bitwise Ind on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and then info at bitwiseindustries.com uh, for email. It'll get routed right to us. Excellent. Thank you both. I've loved this conversation. Um, let's just start a radio show together. <laughs> oh man, I thought you'd never ask, Arlen. You and Irma had that first, first, you know, foray, and I was over there listening by myself. Well, no I, one I belongs here more than you, Jake. I love what you're saying. <laughs> I think you all are are just spectacular. I hope you know that, and um, I can't wait for the rest of the world to to catch up. Frankly, thanks, Arlen. You're the best. See, thank you. Appreciate you. Bye. Hey, it's 
Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen Was Here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N Was Here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. Your First Million is produced by Anna Eichenauer, executive producer Arlen Hamilton. Associate producer, Chacho Valadez. Theme song is used by permission by the artist, Tobey Nguigwe.